0: Values, yeah, little you know tradesman spin there. Um, so what we've been valuing, uh, well, what we've been talking about, the values. So first week we talked climb a mountain. Why? Because Jesus did it. We climbed the mountain. No mountain. Have you climbed a mountain this year yet, Eli? No, neither have I. I think there's a mountain that I need to climb. Aurelia? No, if Aurelia hasn't done it, then we, you know, there's no hope for the rest of us. We need to climb the mountain to be with our Father God. We should value spending time with the Father because guess what? The Father values you. Simples. Easy one. Next, the week after that, we looked at I keep fucking with Kayleigh. She's like, "Don't look at me." No. Sorry. Truth. We should value truth. Shock. Horror. Remember that saying which I quoted: "If you don't stand for something, you will." Please. <laughs> <Liz. laughs> I'm glad it's just not me who gets it wrong. So if you. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. So you need to know what is the truth. The truth that you couple yourself to, the truth in which you stand, the truth about who God is and who God says you are. What are you? What are you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what are you? Saints? Yes? Children of God. Sons and daughters. Prince and princesses. <laughs> I just love freaking people out. It's great. It makes it more entertaining for me. <laughs> uh, so, Father God, um, truth, Week after that. What? Church. Guess what? We have to value the church. Ooh! If I have to, why do we value the church? It's family. It's God's bride. It's who he's coming back for. It's our job to seek the kingdom of God. It's his job to grow the church. To build the church to edify it, to instill his spirit into it and use his church's hands, feet, eyes, ears, noses, to go and share that with those who are outside of the family of God. What did we speak about last week? Hmm. Hey, well done. It's only last week, 10 points, Yes. What, sorry, I did, I did, oh, what, I missed that, yeah, right. (laughs) well done Joan, we should value mission, you are not just here by mistake, you're not here in Buttershaw by mistake, God has a plan and a purpose for you, he has a plan and purpose for you in your home, in your workplace. When you go to Tesco's or Lidl if you fly that way and sometimes you have to drag yourself to Tesco's because Lidl it doesn't have what you need. Yes. There's a mission. There's a there's a purpose. This week we're going to be looking at valuing Can I have a drum roll please? Oh that was pathetic. Drum roll well done. Yourself. Valuing yourself. Mmm. When I'm talking about values, I'm not trying to hit all of them. Because we could go on about values. A few that God has placed on my heart. And um, to be honest, the places where I maybe feel a bit lost and a bit vulnerable myself and when it, talk, when it comes to talking about valuing yourself, I'm not that great at that. So I want to make an admission. I know Helen often pulls me up on this, and I can see her. She's like, mm hmm, valuing yourself? Mm-hmm. I can tell, I can feel the vibes coming off her. Because I don't often speak well of myself. And I don't know whether that's just my Britishness, you know, trying to be humble. But as Luke reminded me this week, or last week on Sunday, the, uh, the three layers of humility. Can you remember what you said? Or false humility? Oh, yeah. oh yes, the light has gone on.
1: Say it. It's um, humbleness is not like thinking you're rubbish. It's not making you think you're proud. It's not proud. It's but seeing yourself as who you are, like honestly. So that was all right.
0: No? Yeah, that was it. I thought that was such a good picture. Really, it's not. It's not building yourself up greater than you are. You know, false humility. You know, it's like, oh, stop it, I'm so good at guitar. stop it, stop it, oh, no. oh, you want to hear another one, okay, or thinking less than you are, it's just accepting who you are, and this is where I want to put our focus on this morning, but f- before I do, can someone pray for me? Don't don't all volunteer, not you, Liz, you always pray, not, yeah. Anyone wanna pray for me? Luke. Not like I don't value your prayers, Liz. Yeah,
1: the <laughs> mic. Taking over, sorry. God, I just thank you for Gav. I just pray that you bless him, bless his heart, bless his voice, bless everything that he has to share with us, and I pray that we would be blessed by what he has to say. I pray that he would just, um, I just see a picture of like, um, you know, electric trains, not like the ones that guzzle fuel, but the ones that have just got overhead wires, and you just got your thingies up, or like the trolley buses, and you're just connecting to the presence of God to just uh, bring us closer to you as we all jump on the bus on this journey together. So I just pray a blessing on you have right now that you would be able to connect with God and then speak whatever comes out so bless you in Jesus name
0: amen oh thank you thank you it's interesting you mentioned buses I was speaking to my good friend and mentor uh, Ash and he he shared this story about a bus and how we all get we all arrive at the same bus stop uh, like the bus station where all the buses come in And we all get on our bus, you're all assigned a bus and we all go off, we start to file out the bus station one by one and we all start on the same route, but as the bus travels a bit further, the buses start to peel off and as you're getting further away from the bus station and the people on their buses, you start to feel a bit agitated. And when the bus makes its next stop, you start to feel tempted to get off the bus. And then you do get to the next stop after that, and you do get off the bus. The problem is, is that when you get off the bus, you need to get the bus back to where you started and then get on the same bus out again because that's your bus. And the moral of that story is Stay on the bus. Sometimes we jump off the bus a bit too soon. And we do that subconsciously, I think, with ourselves. That we jump off the bus. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm on the wrong bus. Where am I? You seem to be taken in the middle of nowhere. And often we jump off the bus too soon. But the thing about buses is that they do stop and people get on. And we need to start to realize that if we are on the bus and feeling a bit lost, God will bring people on the bus with you to help you stay on the bus. So it's interesting that he mentioned that. And I think that's a good place to start. Where are you? Are you, are you on a bus and you're thinking, I don't like this travel I don't like where I am I don't like how it's making me feel are you happy that you're on a bus and you know where it's going and it feels exciting and you feel like you're with the right people can I encourage you this morning to stay on the bus particularly when I'm speaking (laughs) selfishly I think I'm guilty of that starting something and just looking for the exit because things get tough, things get hard. But valuing yourself. So when your faith is low, you tend to stop thinking about the opportunities that are in front of you and you start to see things more as an obligation. I'll say that again. When your faith is low, you start to look at the opportunities or life as an opportunity and circumstances as an opportunity and things become more of an obligation. For example, coming to church on a Sunday. If your faith is low, you find that you start to do things out of obligation. I should go to church. I don't really want to, but you trade the, the opportunity of, actually, I'm going to church. I don't really want to, but there's something there for me. There's something, actually, I probably need, and I just need to open my ears, switch a voice off. When your faith is low, you start to miss the opportunity and start to live in obligation. Are you with me? excellent (laughs) I was going to say something stupid but I'm not, I think I've done enough of that (laughs) when you are operating in like 30% of faith in your day to day life what is filling the other 70% if you live life with only 30% faith so you might do your prayers for example 10% in the morning 10% Uh, in the afternoon and 10% of uh, in the evening, that's your 10% of faith for example uh, which makes up 30% what's filling the other 70% of your life? Liz could be, yeah anything else? Distractions see, again if you're living a life of 30% faith day to day, and I'm only giving this as an example, the other 70% will be filled with other stuff. So you've done your prayers, but then when you go into work, you don't share Jesus. For example, you go to church, you go home, and you fall asleep watching Formula One. I'm not saying these things are bad. You know, we do need to rest. We do need to kind of switch off. But our faith is a living thing. It's a living, breathing thing. That thing is, it's not a thing, it's the Holy Spirit. It's a person. Constantly saying, come on, come on. I want to fill you 100%, but you're compartmentalizing me. So you're only operating on 30% faith. Maybe you only feel full of faith when you're around others. When you hear the worship music. When you are in your quiet time. That's great. But I want not just to operate out my 30%. I want actually my 30% to grow into 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100%. So every day I know who I am I know who he is, I know he values me and I know in every circumstances it's not just an obligation I'm there, it's an opportunity. When you approach a job, a task or a conversation, are you thinking about how God wants you to succeed in everything you do or are you just hoping that you just do a good job? Or I quote... Don't mess it up. You know them small voices? I hope I just don't mess it up. I hope I'm good enough. Let me tell you this morning that you are good enough. Not because I'm saying it. It's because God is saying it. And them little voices, they're saying, "I, I just hope I just do a good job. Or I don't mess it up is false humility. Because it doesn't come from God. Do you know that God believes in you? I'm looking around to see your faces when I say that. Do you know that God believes in you? Whether you believe Him or not, He believes in you. Let that sink in. He wants you to believe in Him and start valuing your gifts, your character, your abilities, and dreams. That he is placed in your life so that you can live a life that is 100% filled with faith and 100% filled with fulfillment. Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel well exercised in your life, both physically and spiritually? Or, if you're honest, are you at a 30% mark? Sometimes. More or less than often. It's inconceivable that God would ask you to live a life that is not fulfilled. It is inconceivable that God doesn't want you to succeed it's inconceivable I can't find anything in the Bible that tells me that God doesn't want the best for me does that mean everything's great for me and I'm always going to be happy and clicking my heels as soon as I get out of bed doing cartwheels and little spins in the breakfast bar you know, popping the cornflakes. Yeah. Mean Jesus. No. I was having a conversation with Andy yesterday and you know it was quite an encouraging conversation, but it was a very real conversation where we we just recognise the truth that God uses all things, good and bad, to work our character. And sometimes that's hard, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be fulfilled. Jesus gave 100% of himself in everything he did. The cross is not an obligation for Jesus, but a promise of the fulfillment. Jesus chose the cross, Jesus chose the will of his Father. And Jesus chooses you. Did you know? Moment. Did you know that a lion pride will make a successful kill one in three hunts? Did you know that? You know, every day is a learning day. A lion pride will make a successful kill in one in three hunts. A single lion will make a successful kill one in six hunts. But what if the lions, the lion pride, wakes up one morning and thinks, forgets it's a lion. Forgets that it's an apex predator. Or maybe the prines, uh, the lion pride might wake up and the, the lead prioness rocks up to the others and says, we've only got a one in three chance and we killed the other day but we hunted and we didn't get anything so the chances are that we're going to fail today so should we not bother? They don't do that, do they lions? They don't know that statistic, obviously. But if they did, would their mindset change? Would they stop being lions? Because a doubt, a seed of doubt, or a consciousness of the possibility of failure is instilled in their bright uh, lion's brain. That's harder to say than it. Lions are brain. And if they stop acting like lions. Which one are you? Are you a lion? Or have you forgotten who you are? Have you got your identity? Who Christ says, who you are? So, where does this all go wrong for us? I remember when I first became. A Christian, I. It was like a new world opened up to me, new opportunities. I looked different, I spoke different, I felt different. I actually woke up and felt like I had a plan and a purpose. I remember I wanted to save the world, and I tried and failed. So, what happened along my journey? Where I start to have an identity crisis, where I start to feel like I don't feel fulfilled, where I start to act less like the son of uh, a child of God and more just like a broken Gavin. What happens? Where does it happen? Has anyone got any ideas? Yes. So, circumstances. Can you overcome circumstances? Do you. Can you recall when you've gone some, through something difficult? Is that a forever or was that just a season? so what lingers then what lingers what's the what's the aftermath of i've gone through a difficult season sorry scars where does it scar most your heart and if your heart is scarred what does that affect i'll give you a clue your mind Does anyone recognize the cycle which I'm trying to lean into? So how do we deal with that? If the battle is the scars of our heart which affects our minds, which also affects the way we speak about ourselves, the way we look upon the things that we do or don't do, the way we think people look at us, how do we get over that? What are the tools that Jesus has given us? Get into the word truth. Yes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But Jesus did suffer. I mean, he was, you know, physically abused, mentally abused. He was loved and hated. But he didn't change his, who he was, he knew who he was. And you maintain that. That's the standard. That's what God is offering for us. But often, we seem to slip under that. We have moments of that. Great! But that's not who you're called to be. Not just moments. You're called to be like Jesus. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. We know these things, don't we? So why don't we live it? What is it? What is it? And was there's many verses in the Bible and stories, but I went to Paul because Paul was dealing with these kind of issues. He started to see it. So he went from town and villages and cities and he shared his faith and he instilled in them the life of fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And then when he went away, things started to crumble. Things started to go wrong. So, I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 18. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 18. And the title of it is this. Do everything without grumbling. Hey, who likes a good old grumble? (laughs) Mm. But this is... This is one of the seeds of um, doubt that we sow in ourselves. When we start to grumble, we're unhappy about something and we scatter these seeds. And it does affect us. It affects our heart and it affects our mind. So this is Paul's response to people who are leading a less fulfilled life than he left them. And how they're grumbling. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine uh, shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So let me go back to the beginning. Dear friends... ...as you have always obeyed. Obeying God... ...is a key... ...to the battle fight... ...one of the keys... ...to the battle of your mind. Obeying God in his word... ...the things that he has spoken to you... ...the things that moved you... ...maybe years and years ago. We, We tend to move away from it... ...and just be faced with the circumstances... And we step away from the truth and start to live in the lie of the moment that you've burnt the tea, I'm rubbish. I get it wrong. I've tried cooking this turkey a thousand times and it just turns to dust. And I know that's a trivial thing, but I think it's something that we do. We step away from the truth and if we're stepping away from truth we we are not being obedient simple as that I could dress it up any other way but for me it's that simple if I'm not living in truth I'm living a lie I'm being disobedient to God his words, I'm not putting his words first the things that he's instilled in me first It often takes second place because I'm faced with a circumstance. This is an interesting one when Paul says, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence. How do you act in the presence of people this morning? Hi, you alright? Oh good, had a great week. It's been alright. Yeah, what are you doing this week? Oh, I've got lots of fantastic things to do. Yeah, it's really good, thanks. How are you? Great. <laughs> you go, home. right, kids, shut up, sit down. I've got this, 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 this to do. You don't listen to me. You know, we can wear two hats very easily, can't we? But God is constant, <laughs> you know. God doesn't stay in this building. Sometimes I question if he even comes in. <laughs> you know, we like, leave Jesus somewhere else. God is constant and with us. And we should be constant and with him. If he turned up today, we would know about it. But we shouldn't really be changing our, our character, should we? Because he's already with us. The Holy Spirit is here. It's a tough one, that. The more I think about it. I don't know it can seem a bit creepy sometimes in you thinking that God can always see you. You know, particularly when you get into the toilet talk. <laughs> you know, but am I always seeing God? Am I always seeing God? Am I just seeing God this morning because I'm paid to be here? It's my job, it's my calling. Or am I seeing God when I go home? When I wake up, when I'm Faced with difficult situations. Am I seeing God? So we, in, in presence and in absence, we should continue to be the person that God has called us to be. He says, continue to work out salvation with fear and trembling. That's just reverence. That's, that's putting God first, basically. It's not fear, like, ooh, God's here, ooh, ooh, ooh but there should be some kind of reverence like, this is worth it because my God is worthy. I don't want to just wait until I get to heaven to have my face pressed down on the floor because I'm exposed to his presence I want, it. I want that now I want that now I want the sense of fear and trembling when I start speaking bad about myself I want I want I need it, I need God to say, "I gone. don't forget who I am and what I say about you, to the point where I'm gripped. I feel that's what I need. Because if I'm relying on myself, I know I'm going to fail. But I'm not on my own. And I forget it. So fear and trembling, let's not forget who God is. And He's with you all the time. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill His good purposes. That means in all circumstances, whether you're enjoying it or not, God is working on you. Whether you know Him or not, God is working on you. You might hate God. You might love God. You might be somewhere in between. But God is constantly working on you. He never gives up on you. Never gives up on you. Through all circumstances, God is trying to teach you something. It's a privilege of being a father to three young children and to praise them when they do something good. But I actually really value that when they come against something and struggle like they might have called their brother an idiot, to take that time and sit them down or sit one of them down and try to say that's not how we should speak to each other. There, for me, are just as magical and powerful moments than seeing them succeed. But it's also, I like it when people do it to me. You know, I was joking about Helen, but you know, at least I'm wary of her correcting me and she loves me and cares for me as a brother in Christ and has reverence for God to actually say, Gavin, stop saying these things about yourself. It's not who you are. Yes, you are a bit of an idiot sometimes. (laughs) But even then she's like, "Mm, don't... We can do it with each other. And there is a beautiful moment of saying, well done, Brad, for speaking out this morning. Thank you for just making yourself vulnerable. We should value saying, Brad, you could do more (laughs) of that. You know, when you speak, it has power and simplicity because it comes from your heart. Do you see what I mean? These are tools that God has given us. Do everything without grumbling and arguing with yourself. Forget anyone else. You know, oh, can I can't do that. I do that a lot. I might make something. I've uh, I love working with wood. It's a brilliant release for me. And one of the things I started doing, I started doing these, uh, like, carvings of faces in wood. Using nothing but my bare hands. No tools. I am the tool. No rebuttal on that. Thank you, Eli. (laughs) I am the tool. I'm using what God's instilled with me. And I do it, and it takes me a long, long time, because I'm doing everything by hand. And I put it up on the wall. Someone says, that's really good. And you know what my reaction is? It's alright. I'm never satisfied. I grumble with it. I could do better. I know the mistakes that are on there. And people are like, no, it looks great. And I know what that is. It's a measurement of myself against expectations that come from outside. But often, and if I'm really honest, it's It's me judging myself against other people who I think can do it better. That's what it is. Even with something as trivial as me doing some carving, it's not going to change my life, but I should just be able to accept that I've done a good job, and people appreciate that and recognise that. So I need to face what's in front of me, but actually what I really need to face is stop placing myself against Andy thinking well he can do a lot better job than me Oh, you know Louise you know she's far better at speaking from the heart than me and I can do it all the time I need to stop so if I need to stop Miriam you need to stop because you do it too You need to stop Kim because you do it too. Joan, you need to stop judging yourself against others. Because you probably do it too. Probably less Joan actually. She's a bit wiser and maturer than well me in that manner of respect. But still, you know, we do it. We need to stop doing it. Stop holding yourself up against others. Your only thing that you hold yourself up against is that. End of story. Not going to hear another word. And I'm talking to myself right here, right now. And I'm making myself accountable. So if I do start to grumble and moan, all right, I could have done better, I could have done that. Grab me by the scruff of the neck, drag me up here. tripping. Why not? I need it. I can't do it alone. And I'm not alone. I've got the Holy Spirit. got my family. I've also got you guys. It's called a magic word. It's called this type of shit. woo Feed into me, I feed into you. And what happens? We start to live a life that looks fulfilled. Because... God's got my back, you've got my back, and I've got yours. And we start to talk better to each other. We start to talk better to ourselves. And you know what the net worth of that is? That when people meet you, it will move them. Because it's so groundbreakingly revolutionary that the world will not be able to deny it. And Paul makes note of this. He says, hold firmly to to the word of life. When people speak godly words into me, they're speaking life into me. When I read the Bible, I'm still in life in me. If I stop grumbling and start accepting the truth, it's life in me. And then you'll be able to boast on the day of Christ. That I did not run in labour or in vain. Faith is not just about labour and vain. It is a part of it. You need to labour. You need to be worked on and work yourself. But it's not in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of the coming of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with your soul. So you should be glad and rejoice with me. Oh, sorry, I've missed out the bit. that You will shine like stars. And that's it. Sorry, children of God will be outfall and wrapped in a crooked generation. That's it. Sorry, I, I, I jumped ahead of myself. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Why the warped and crooked generation? Because they don't know God, they don't know truth, they don't know who they are. They go around grumbling, arguing, judging themselves against others. Jealousy, hatred, power, money, position. That's what you get outside of the family of God. See, in politics, breaks my heart. Some really, you know, I try and... Took myself into politics a bit more and I do struggle with it but I'm trying to actually reassess the way I view politicians because not all politicians are raving lunatics or out for themselves there is some genuine really good people out there who want to do their best But the problem with them is is that it's the party that kind of messes them up. Because they have to not only be accountable for themselves, they have to be accountable for their leaders and those around us. Whether they agree or disagree with them or not. So they're already in conflict. But we often judge politicians as all being the same. They're not. It's the same as all Christians are not all the same. We're not. And you might be thinking, thank you God, (laughs) that I'm not like so-and-so. I shouldn't say that. That's that's not really honoring. But I'm thankful for the the length and breadth that's before me. That Judy's able to do things that I can't. Because that's part of her character. You know that... Sean sees things in a different way than I do. Because that brings different perspective. But, you see, we recognise that God has brought us together. And if we all start recognising who we are, and the truth of what it is, the more we give glory to God. We're all batting on the same team. The problem with politics is is that the the part of a process and a party that often means that they have to give up something which they really value and defend sometimes the indefensible just to stay in this group. It doesn't work like that in the church. You don't have to be anything except what God has called you to be. It's Him who changes your character, not the policies of this church. It's just not my great plans of what we should be doing next. It's God's plans. That's what I'm trying to do. When you're listening to me, I'm trying to listen to God. And hope that God is speaking through me to you. It's not me. It should never be me. But I just need to stand here in confidence, thinking actually, God will use me to bless you. And whether you agree with me or not, there's opportunity for you to come and rebut me on that, but we're still pointing in the same direction. So let's be a little more sympathetic with the politicians. You don't have to agree with them, but let's pretend they're part of our family and treat them and others how we want to be treated. Does that make sense? Good. We should not be walking around like dull lights. Like we're half switched on. But we do. And I know sometimes life is really hard and it's really tough. And we need to gather around each other. But sometimes I know these places and fights that you do really feel trapped in. It's not something you can always... It's stuff that happens to you that you wouldn't it wouldn't be right or appropriate just to share with everyone. But we should always look to share with someone. Firstly, God. But if you haven't got someone you can be accountable to, that you can just lay bare and not necessarily be told what to do, but just be heard. That person has to be a person of Christ. Because if we do it with someone outside of the body of Christ, even though I'm not judging these people, but they don't carry the light of God. And you're almost, you seeking a counterfeit in a way. I'm not saying ignore them and not, you know, I'm trying to get the bounce here, but we, if you want to remain in the truth, if you want the light and shine, and want to shine like Paul says, like stars, then we need to go to the light. And I think sometimes I find it easier, and and it's just me being honest, I can appease how I'm feeling if I'm feeling down by not going to someone in the church who might lovingly challenge me. I'm tempted to go someone out in the church who will just agree with me. And it doesn't help me, it doesn't help them. And all I end up doing is circling around, grumbling and arguing, even if that's with myself. So if you want to stop that and you want to free your mind and seek the light of God so that you, and you do shine, I see that, but I see you for moments. You know, I don't see you at your worst. You might be thankful that you don't see me first thinking morning with a creased face. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> but still, you know, I need to seek out the light. You need to seek out the light. I want to play a video. Just to st- stop me rambling on, because I can speak about this a lot, because I battle with this a lot. But I think some of the things I've, I've shared with this morning, the things that I want to work on, things I need to do better on, and I'm hoping that it speaks to you. But I thought this video was just very uh, encouraging, uh, so I hope you find it encouraging too.
2: If you can believe it, you can receive it if you can conceive it you can attain it the most powerful tool that you have right now in your life in your body is your mind that's why the enemy fights you in your mind He fights you in your mind, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The devil doesn't have to tie you up for you to be bound. He just has to tie up your head with stress, with worry, with aggravation, with low self-esteem, with pettiness, with anger, with hostility, with rebellion. And he can make you physically sick because your mind is sick. You just have to get your mind out of trouble. Lay your hands on your head and say, give me a new mind. Give me a new mind means give me a new perspective, give me a new perspective, give me a new way of looking at my situation, give me a new way of looking at my circumstances, get my mind ready for this year, because when I get this year, there's going to be blessings. There's going to be miracles, there's going to be opportunities. Oh yes, it's going to be some struggles, It's going to be some challenges, It's going to be some tests. But even the struggles are an opportunity for me to show off the victory if my mind can handle the change. If you can get your mind out, you can get your money out, you can get your family out. You can get your job out, you can get your career out, you can get your health out, you can get your prosperity out. If you can get your mind out, no devil in hell, no weapon formed against you, no enemy that hates you can stop you from being free. Grab yourself by the head and say we're coming out of this.
3: How do you hang in there during the hard difficult times Les, you must have faith. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in your abilities. You got to believe in your service, your company, your ideas, unquestionably. You got to have faith, and that faith gives you patience. You got to keep moving and keep plugging away. You got to love it. It's got to be what you are supposed to do. You want to sing, and even though they want to invite you to Carnegie Hall, you're going to sing to anybody that listens to you, including singing to yourself. You gotta write, even if no one published your book, write because that was given to you to do. You do what it is you're supposed to. You're supposed to build something, you're supposed to create something. I don't know how to do it. Learn. Do whatever is required. Go into action with your dream. And don't avoid where the fights are. Get in the midst of the fight. Get knocked down so you can learn how to fight so you can hold your position. Stand up for your dreams. Stand up for what you want in your life. Decide that your life is so meaningful to you, that you love you and you love life so much that you're going to stand up for something you want. Stand up for what you believe in because you can fall for anything. So what I say to you, that you are powerful. You have miracle working power in your life right now. But you've got to work on yourself. You've got to develop yourself. You've got to talk to yourself day in and day out selling yourself on you and on your potentials and you've got to know that you are worth all of your effort and that the key to your motivation as you get a larger vision of yourself is to know that you have something to give is to know that you have a reason for being in the universe at this point in time take that leap of faith trust yourself and believe that everything is going to be all right
0: Uh, God sent um, God sent Jesus to reveal the love He has for you. That is evident. He exposed the truth of the kingdom through Jesus, and we can look upon Jesus as our target to be more like him. But he also, through Jesus. He's wanting you to see yourself who, how he sees you and who you really are. That takes work. That takes time. That takes persistence. It takes patience. It takes grit. It takes encouragement. It takes a few falls. But it also means You need to get up. Who are you? If you don't value yourself, you need to change. If you don't know who Jesus is and how he values you, then I encourage you to ask the question. I encourage you to knock on that door. And discover the greatness of God. And all the beautiful things that he has put in you and his calling out. The best way I find to get close to God is through his communion. To actually remember the love of Christ. The price he paid so we can have the privilege of knowing who we are. So can I invite just a couple of people to come and help me um, serve? Maz, um, Helen, thank you.